Hello again. This is the Rugged Angel Podcast, and I am your host, Camila. I have been absent for a couple of weeks, but don't worry, I haven't forgotten about you. It's just sometimes real life and adult responsibilities get in the way. Um, one of those responsibilities is the Pittsburgh 48 Hour Film Project. As some of you may know, I am the producer for the Pittsburgh 48 Hour Film Project, and it's coming back here to Pittsburgh this year, 2015. Registration opens on May 5th online, and the kickoff filmmaking weekend is July 10th through 12th. Now, if you don't know about the 48 Hour Film Project, here's the deal. We give you a line of dialogue, a prop, a character, genre, and 48 hours to make a four to seven minute film. And it is wicked awesome. Because if you are into filmmaking in any way, shape, or form, or if you're into fun and creativity, this is the place for you. And if you're not in Pittsburgh, don't worry, because this goes on in like over 120 cities around the world. So I'm almost positive that there is one either in your city or within an hour's drive of you. So go to 48hourfilm.com and check out and find that city for you. And if it happens to be Pittsburgh, then go to 48hourfilm.com slash Pittsburgh. And you can also check out our Facebook page, Pittsburgh 48 Hour Film Project. And we're also on Twitter at PGH48HourFilm. And um, like I said, registration opens on May 5th. Slots fill up fast. So you want to make sure that you sign up ASAP. And um, yeah, and all of the films get shown on the big screen. So that's just like another plus. All of your hard work will be adored and seen by family, friends, and your soon-to-be fans. So please, I want to see some new, fresh, creative talent come out this year. Not that I don't love all of my uh, tried-and-true 48 Hours filmmakers. I just want some new ones, too. And that also brings us to episode nine of the Rugged Angel podcast, where my guest is Jackie Druga. I met Jackie because she also competes. She competes in the 48-hour film project just about every year. And um, But I had no idea that she was such an accomplished novelist. And when I found that out, I quickly invited her on the show to have a chat. Now, um, the biggest... Now she has like 80 over 80 novels under her belt. And the one that she is most known for is called Beginnings. And it's a series of several novels. And it all takes place, I believe, in a post-apocalyptic world. That is the genre that she hones in on. That's what she loves, the apocalypse. And some fun facts about Jackie that I managed to learn in our hour and a half talk is that she um, pretty much knows how to wipe out the world all the population on the world she's been put on the fbi's internet list blacklist she's prepared for the apocalypse herself so we all know to go to jackie's house if things turn left things get rough and uh, she's also a fanalo now i'm sure the fanalo thing has nothing to do with everything else but i just thought that was interesting she also has a podcast of her own called apocalypse nana and it is on on thursday nights at 9 p.m on the prepper broadcast network so take a listen learn some more about jackie druga and her post-apocalyptic plans and um be entertained and educated and enjoy the words of wisdom i have for you today are don't wait for permission to do something creative ava DuVernay.
Mike. That's what we have to do. <laughs> All right, cool. Jackie Druga, we're officially starting. Okay. Welcome to Welcome. the Thank podcast. You. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. I like your little uh, bowl of <laughs> lighters. <laughs> you never know. You don't want to be without. Mm-mm. <laughs> There's lighters and paper clips and tacks and sprees. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're all ready to go. I did have, like, I usually have gummy bears here, but I'm all out now. Like, I usually podcast with gummy bears when we do the um, Scandal podcast. Oh. I do bourbon at my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, Jackie, you're born and bred Pittsburgh, aren't you? I am. So, uh, what parts of Pittsburgh? Um, I grew up inner city, mm-hmm. uh, uptown area. Okay. And uh, and then my family moved to the Castle Shannon area, and... I stayed in the uptown area with my grandmother because I loved it. That's where all my friends were at. Mm. And then I went on a band. I went on the road with a band when I was 18 years old. And then when I came back, I uh, ended up getting married and then living in the South Hills. Did you play in the band? I did. What did you play? I sang and I played keyboards. Really? Mm -hmm. Do you still do that to this day? Um, I did up until, you know, when you're old like I am, you have to, um, I'll make sure I'm, dead on this when you're old like i am you you go through levels of entertainment like mm-hmm. uh rock band i want to be a rock star and mm-hmm. then you kind of mellow out and do acoustic acts and then you kind of level off to do dj work well, i thought you know i want to play and i want to sing so i joined a christian band whoa okay yeah <laughs> that didn't work out <laughs> yeah they, too many tentacles of the Satan, they said, wrapped around me, so I couldn't <laughs> worship Jesus because of what I write. So, yeah, but it was fun. I, I really had a good time um, uh, doing that. The music is really uplifting, mm-hmm. but I guess you got to be a certain caliber spiritual person. So they were just really, they kicked you out? They kicked me out, yeah. Oh, it's okay. Just, well, I mean, so now you're DJing? Well, I was. Now I don't have time. Because I know um, that you were doing that for a while. Like, oh, my gosh. I DJed. From 2001 up until uh, Duke Station in the South Hills closed in 2012, yeah, mm-hmm. 2013, and I kind of figured the end of his era would be the end of my DJ era because I ended up doing four or five days a week at Duke's, which was a full-time job yeah. for me, and um, that on top of working with uh, Alzheimer's patients just it took its toll, so um when Duke's closed, I, I quit DJing. My son's still a DJ, but it was a lot of fun karaoke DJing. Yeah, yeah. I did that for a summer. It was like, I mean, yeah, it was a lot. And just because uh, the bar that I was at, and it just, I don't know, it just was too much work for very little pay. And I had to go like all the way out to, I forget where, like almost Wexford to go pick up <sighs> the equipment and then come back. See, that, 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 that was a pain in the butt. No, that's what Drew does, but Drew... You know, luckily, all my son's gigs are around where he has to pick up the equipment. Duke Station, the shows were there seven nights a week, so there was no setting up equipment, no moving equipment. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, yeah, and that's the, the ideal. Only, it was, and the only problem that I had was while you would see a drink next to my DJ equipment, I didn't drink because I don't drink and drive. Right. So, you know, I would have it there as showed, you know, hey, you should have alcohol. Yeah. You know? But... I couldn't take the drunk people. The older I got, the worse I handled the drunks. Oh yeah, definitely. That's um, it's not a good look for most. F- I would get. Oh my gosh. I would get girls <laughs> who were like singer, who were singers, wanted to be singers, and they would give me their demo CDs or, and it's like I'm not. I'm just. 
A karaoke just, DJ. Just doing karaoke, man. Like, do you want to sing a song or not? Do you can I queue up ninety nine Luft Balloons for you, or can you just keep it moving? I know the thing is, like, I used to insult people really bad at my shows. Like, I, that was my that was my stick. And and I remember on like Bar Smart. Uh, yeah, I remember on uh, Bar Smart. Somebody left a review that, uh-huh. like, you know, I was just picking on people left and right. Uh-huh. And um. Somebody come back. That's her show. That's why we go to her show because we like to see her tear people apart. Awesome. Only one time that I actually like stopped my show for real. That's not including when I never spraked out. But I mean, like, uh, it was it was actually comical now. That I think, about. but there there's a there's a man who um, I want to say he he was limited mentally mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he got up to sing and he came every Saturday night to sing at my show and I let him tell a joke, and somebody in the bar. Yelled at something rude, and I stopped the show. And over the microphone, I called this man out and put him in his place. Well, I guess he thought, "Well, I'm going to go talk to the owner about this employee." Well, the owner I've known since high school, so he's like, "And who did you direct this to?" And 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 I said he was picking on Bob, and he's like, "There's the door to the guy." So, but that's and then you know, there's my time during my my divorce, my nervous breakdown that. I wouldn't let anybody sing like love songs of my shows. <laughs> it was kind of pathetic, you know. And uh, and when I made everybody, no, ask, you can't sing endless love. Yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> I will always love you. I'm like, are you kidding me? Stop right now! And the girl's like, what I do? <laughs> Just stop. And then I, I thought somebody took my lighter, and I, I stopped the show, made everybody empty their pockets. It was holy they cats. Are, yeah, they thought it was a joke because the next week all these people came back each with a lighter. That's awesome. And there was no, <laughs> like, oh, it's just Jackie being Jackie again. No, it's not Jackie. It's like, no, nuts. I, I was nuts. I was nuts. <laughs> so you worked past your nervous breakdown. Apparently. I did. It was it was short lived. Thank God. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That was that like around the of, time of your divorce. It was. It was. It, it was four months worth of like my kids were like, oh my god, mom's losing her mind. Yeah, because like. I would cry on um, like deal or no deal. Oh my God, he's gonna give the fifty thousand to his <laughs> grandson. That's just so amazing. And what brought it was oh, I was a mess. I was, but it was like it was so crazy, hot mess. You know, like doing weird things like stopping my show and uh, and and yelling at people in my show. And it's they all thought it was part of my my ordeal, but. Well, it's a good thing it kind of came it out did, that way. You did. already had I a precedent. Laugh. I laugh. Yeah, I laugh at it now. I mean, like back then, I wasn't laughing too hard. It's like, right. but thank God it was short lived. It was like a four month nervous breakdown. Oh, that's oh, yeah. okay. How long were you married? Not much longer than four months. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it was like I have a I have this habit of getting married. And uh, yeah, how many times have you been married? Well, my mom will tell you four. Uh huh. But that's not the case. That's not the case. It, I've been married three. She. She counts the one guy that I live with. Uh, I don't count him. Okay. Because, like, there was just something not right about him. He was, uh, I, I, I don't know. His IQ probably was, was, if you add his shoe size combined. I mean, he was a big, what? he was, all right. My son calls him my midlife crisis. Okay. Okay. I was, he was a lot younger than me. Like, he was extremely good looking, but he was not very bright okay. at all. Um. Okay. He jumped out of a moving vehicle while I was driving. Were, okay. you, were you fighting at the time? I wasn't just... saying anything to him. Oh, here I had just broken up with him because, like, he had this thing where he charged everybody a hundred. He was a brilliant carpenter. I will yeah. give him this. Yeah. Like, if you said, "Hey, can you build me a room?" Uh-huh. He'd have it done by the end of the day. He was he just like focused. Wow. He was that good. He was like an idiot savant on okay. on carpentry. But then when he lost his job, he decided to take side jobs, which I thought was was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and. 
but the first person said, hey, I need to build a porch. How much would you charge me? And he'd be like, oh, I'll charge you $100 plus, you know, cost. What? Okay, yeah. Maybe, maybe okay, porch? maybe because we knew these people when they weren't, you know. That. So the next person was like, you know, what would you charge me to uh, redo this room? $100 plus cost. Okay. The borough of Dormont is like, hey, we hear you cut down trees. We got this huge tree. How much do you charge us? $100 plus cost. I pulled up on that street to watch him climb this tree, which had to be like eight stories high. Oh, okay? my God. Say, please fall. <laughs> please fall. So he's up there with his chainsaw, right? He drops the chainsaw, cuts all the power lines, all the cable lines. Oh my They're all like going to find him because he's not insured. Right. He's like $100 plus cost. Hey, so I'm like, you know what? I can't take it anymore. For as attractive as you are, you are just not smart enough for this whole entire relationship. Right. Like, I mean, I, the whole John Kerry, the Kerry Edwards, you know, thing, mm -hmm. he couldn't get past the fact that Kerry Edwards was not one man. He was like, who's running with Kerry Edwards? I mean, like, that's what I had to do. It. Wow. So I broke up with him that night. And I'm like, you know, just let, let me go. So I went out with my friends. And I come in, and he's standing in the parking lot. He was a nice guy. So I knew he wasn't going to hurt me. I'm like, mm. I will drive you somewhere. Mm. But after that, this you know, with, don't bother me again. So we're driving 35 miles an hour. Jumps out of the car. Right? This is a big guy, 6'4", oh 200 and some pounds. Jumps out of the car here. The dump, the dump, the dump, the dump. I'm like, oh. <laughs> my head stopped. Yeah, I'm like, say, at least you stopped. <laughs> I stopped. I'm like, what should I do? So I called my friend Mike. And said, 911. I said, just jumped out of the car. He goes, is he moving? No. Call 911. What's the matter with you? So Mike was down the street. So Mike got there before the 911. So <coughs> then it was like six months of, of, of him recovering from this head injury, which was very serious. Good and God. he had no family. So he had to stay with me. And he was like out of his mind. Like he was he was seeing things and, and back and forth to the hospital. Finally, I found his mother and I sent him to his mother. Mm. But, um. Yeah, so he wasn't the brightest bulb in the bunch. And that sounds he, like the worst. He woke up from this, right? And I was driving and told the police that I pushed him from the car. Okay, me, little me. Wow. Reached across, right. driving 35 miles an hour, and somehow managed to hold the gas while kicking his big butt out the door. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. They right? didn't, they weren't. Oh, they investigated, it. yeah. Oh, seriously. Yeah, yeah, for real? Oh, my God. Until a doctor said, like, hey, look, the fractures are consistent with rolling. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God! Well, that was like uh, <laughs> that was like totally nothing to do with writing or anything. But that's no, but a, it's I, a fun also, story. I know, right? A, Seriously, yeah. how many like, people? Yeah, <laughs> ten minutes in, it's like <laughs> <laughs> fun story. That she, is the she, craziest. She, she contemplated driving away. I was like, oh my God! <laughs> he came back into the picture like to visit me like years later, and mm. he had fallen off a roof, so he was like partially handicapped. I'm like, oh man, this man. He was told never to go on a roof again because of his head. This guy? Yeah. Oh. He's not as good looking as he used to be. He weighs like 500 pounds now. Oh, shit. Yeah. So now he's really got nothing. He's got nothing. Nothing yeah. to bargain Oh, for. my gosh. Okay. So, all right. I guess we'll get into um, why I called you here today. Okay. <laughs> your, Twitter bio, your Twitter bio, and I quote, is eccentric and crazy writer. I create worlds only to destroy them in my novels. Yes. I love that. I absolutely love that <laughs> saying. I haven't read any of your novels yet. That's okay. But I was um, shocked to find out that you had written so many. Like, I knew that you were a novelist, but, and I went to your website and I looked at it and there was like pages upon pages <laughs> of yeah. how many? Um, and I'm still told, like, every day, at least somebody tells you, you forgot to include this novel. Like, actor David Dietz had 
sent me a text saying, you know, Words With My Father is not listed on your novels. I'm like, shoot, I forgot about that one. And it's out there. David does the audiobook for it. So really? he does a really nice job on the audiobook. But um, uh, published right now, I think it's 88. I'm, wow. Maybe more. I don't. I lost count. When did you start writing? Um, oh gosh, I started. I went through. I call it three phases of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my kid phase, where you know I was infatuated with Charlton Heston. So every short story I wrote <laughs> had Charlton Heston in it, and one way or another, I may have renamed him like Steve or Bill or George. Right. But he was always six foot three, blonde hair, Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. I loved him. <laughs> I, I asked him to marry me. When I was 10 years old and never heard back. But <laughs> and before he got sick with Alzheimer's, I got, a, I got a letter in the mail. And I'm thinking, oh, white envelope. There's no return address on it. It mm-hmm. just says, you know, Jacqueline Druga Marchetti, which was my ma- name at the time because I was another husband. But uh, <laughs> um, And I turned it over. It was a very thick envelope and embossed on the back. So Charlton Heston. What? Yes. I didn't even open. I started screaming, and my daughter started screaming. I think this was because he got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I think in two thousand three, it was before he got bad. He was still sick. Okay. So I opened up the letter, and here um, he had read an article that was written in the Trib, mm-hmm. where I was I, I totally was the inspiration behind me writing was Charlton Heston, and uh, he was honored beyond belief to read the words that I said. And uh, would be flattered, would, would would love to read my book, The Shroud, at the time. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Charlton has to read my book. Wow. So I wrote him a letter, and I thanked him for this because you know, he gave me his personal address. And I signed. I told him in the letter that I signed the book in case one day he dreams of having my autograph <laughs> like I dream of having his. And, and I said, and back in, you know. Then the day I proposed marriage to you, just wanted to let you know that still stands in case you know <laughs> you're interested. So we actually became pen pals. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, always through letters, handwritten letters. That's wonderful. I have them all. I have a shrine in my in my oh. bedroom. Charlton has some. But How I awesome mean, is that? yeah, it was because he was such an inspiration. It was the the greatest thing that has ever happened to me that I was pen pals with Charlton Heston. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. So. He just randomly read an article in the I, Trib. Well, the, where is he from? He is from California, okay, an Indian originally. But um, my now defunct publisher, The Shroud, mm. uh, had sent his publicist and okay. his people a copy of the article, oh. and said, you, know, "You have been an inspiration. We just wanted to share this with you, know, Charlton gotcha. Heston." And he replied personally, and and it was just like it shows the class. Yeah, of who he is class. Charlton Heston, right? I mean, personally, handwritten. Anybody that knows me knows, like, I have a Charlton Heston doll. They have Charlton Heston dolls. Yeah, it's a, it's. Well, I had. Is it Charlton Heston or is it like Charlton Heston in one of his roles? It's Charlton Heston is uh from Planet of the Apes, <laughs> and it's a collector's item. And when I bought it, I, I think well, like I had the original Steve Austin doll. Mm-hmm. I had the original Charlton Heston doll and all this, and then I had something called Sons and Grandchildren. Oh, and they ruin everything. Well, my grandson, I didn't get so mad about him ruining Charlton Heston. I went out and I found another one. You know. Mm. The Steve Austin doll, I'm ready to kill my son Drew over. I don't know if you remember in the 48 uh, production, we did that goofy movie, Revelation of the Scaly Kind. It was a cheesy flick based on a monster. It was like we, we pulled drama, so we decided to do drama. And we, we, we did the words that didn't match up with the lips when they... when they Yeah. Okay. Well, because we did, we wanted to show the monster grabbing Drew, Drew came up with this brilliant idea. Why don't we use Mom's Steve Austin doll? And the monster can grab the oh. doll. And and they broke my bionic arm on it. Oh. And you just can't get one now anymore. 
That was like, re- why would, okay. Yeah, I would still, I would be pissed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. you managed to keep that for how long? And then they just and come. I do have my Donnie Osmond doll, though. <laughs> I still have that from 1969. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know what I was always, I never got, you know, speaking of like childhood girly crushes, I never got like a Donnie Wahlberg doll. Like Donnie Wahlberg, New Kids on the Block. That was my. You liked him? Yeah, I was like, that was. Like, oh my God. That was like hardcore. And then like. And I, I, I don't know if I haven't told a story on this podcast. Oh, good. <clears throat> I get to hear it. So um, I was like eighth grade was when they were like really big. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was really into them. And I had tickets to go see them in concert. But there was I lived in Toledo and, and the concert was in Detroit, which was like oh, an wow. hour away. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it was a blizzard. So we could not go. And I was so devastated, so heartbroken. I had to like, you know, give up my tickets and blah, blah, blah. So fast forward like 2012. 13 whenever the, these guys are like still singing and stuff and they're still doing releasing music um my husband bought tickets they, they came to Pittsburgh my husband bought tickets for me for my birthday oh and then my sister the show was in July which is my sister's birthday and so she came up from Atlanta and we went together it was the best seats I've ever had on a, at a concert Aww. ever it was like right there like here we are there's the stage and Donnie Wahlberg kissed me, and I oh nearly, my god, I nearly passed out. Oh my god! So yes, that was. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's awesome! It's like when I shook George Bush's hand, I almost pissed my pants. Oh I, was my like, god. I was so excited. My daughter was like, "You're so embarrassing." <laughs> did she like scream and like holler? I did. Like, George, I love you. And he was like, <laughs> "Thanks." And he held out his hand. And I was like, "Ah, like a teenager." It, the whole thing was. My daughter was homeschooled because mm. she just hated school. So, but she, I had a, a Republican convention party and she picketed it in front of my house with her friends because <laughs> with 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 uh, John Kerry signs and everything they picketed <laughs> my my party it was pretty great. And um, so that was a running thing between me and her. And you know, hey, if that's your political views, right. I'm all for it because you know what, you're having one exactly. at, at 16 years old or what, however old she was. And um, so. My ex-husband, number two at the time, who still good on terms with, he, he was at the Marriott. He goes, hey, you going to the convention? And the, he says, I got VIP seats for the convention. I'm like, you yeah, know, the last rally I went to, they told me it was VIP seats. I was so far away. He goes, no, I got this from George Bush's people. Oh, so wow. we went. We were first row. And uh, they were pulling people left and right from the audience to go on stage. I'm like, what's wrong with us, you know? <laughs> and I looked at the guy next to me, and I'm like, why are they taking people? He goes, oh, they're just picking, you know melting pot of American people to put behind George gotcha. on stage. Yeah. Like, oh, well, we're with your family. I, we snuck on stage uh-huh. and we're on stage during the whole rally. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was kind of fun because like nobody believed me until they saw pictures and they could see me. Like I'm like starstruck watching it. And there's my daughter all annoyed. <laughs> it was it was a great time. But you know, like it or not, it's the President of the United States and you don't really get to meet the President of the United States right. and shake their hand. No, you know? exactly. So that's always my, I always have, the, no matter who's in office, I have the utmost respect for them. So that's oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm not doing I'm not the president of the United States. So it's like, that's right. That's my <laughs> attitude. That is my attitude. OK, so back to your novels. Yes. Um, did we just did we discern when you started? Right. Yeah. Like OK, shrug. I was going. I just I just <laughs> this is what's wrong with my own podcast. I divert. We're supposed to talk about Survivor. We end up talking about things. Um, uh, there was a young age. A short, oh, you uh, I'm sorry. That's young age of short stories. And then mm-hmm. um, then I went to the uh, phase of writing teenage novels when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, you know, I wrote short stories and songs and music. And then in my 30s, 
my then ex-husband had said, hey, hey, look at all this writing. Mm. You know, why aren't you writing anymore? And I'm like, well, you know, I got a rejection when I was like 19 and never wanted to do it. And he's like, you know, you really should. I'm like, and then a couple months have gone by and I'm like, you know, Steve, I really think I do want to write. Mm. And this was at probably 97, mm. you know. And so we were really, we were raising four kids and oh my God, I don't know how we did it on that income. Yeah. That he was a waiter okay. and I worked as a, Helps monitor, you know, help me, I've fallen like hanging Are you serious? Up. I'm like, yes, Mrs. Smith, we received your pendant. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I was that person that when you press that pendant, I answered. So, and I was working as a helps monitor, and um, he went out, and back then, computers were expensive. Hmm. So he took a loan, he got me this computer for like $3,000, oh which, which wasn't very much, you know? Right. Like, I mean, it was a lot of money, but the computer wasn't much. Right. And I started to write, and I became obsessive about it, and... Uh, the first one was my beginning series, which was Silent Victor, which has been rewritten seven times because the first version wasn't really that good. I mean, I actually just released the first version mm -hmm. for my fan base to, to, to see how bad. And they're all like, well, we like your ideas in it. Why did you change it? You know, like, well. You said it's been rewritten seven times. Seven you, times. And you've just re you just released the original. The original. Uh, to go along. And what I did was, um, oh, my God, this took me months to do because mm -hmm. I had a paper copy. So I had to scan it. Thanks to my brother. And then I used a program that made it into a Word file. Huh. And I did hyperlinks hmm. to different things in the old book, to the oh, new book. Oh, nice. So when they read on their Kindle, they can go, you know, here's an author note, why she changed this, where did this come from. That's like, brilliant. One of the main characters uh, just died in a horrendous drop down an elevator shaft for no reason. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but, you know, and I gave her more of a heroic death in, in the following book. So it, it was a lot of work that, you know, and. I'm going to say I put it online for for sale, but I gave out probably about a thousand copies of oh, it. Man. Yeah, I just but the beginnings is my is my stable. There are 27 books in the beginning series right now. Hmm. Um, that's not including the sidebar books, like the deal with them as they were kids. And the beginnings was my writing process. I never intended anybody to ever read beginnings. Maybe the first book, maybe the second. Hmm. But what I used to do is I used to write a book and then I'd write beginnings write a book and then I write beginnings because I love these people so much and my friend Sonia oh gosh it was only a couple of years ago had read the first two books and she goes are there any more I'm like Sonia I, I have a whole slew of these books <laughs> and so she read them she goes you got do me a favor just put them out there and see what happens just put them out there and I had put the first three books out there and then put what I call the raw files on my website mm -hmm. not knowing in two years what would become of like the 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 following that this series has and so i release them now but everyone knows they at any time they can get it for free and i only do it to um i, I don't make much money off of the beginning series mm -hmm. because these are the most dedicated fans i mean hey if they bought the first 10 books i'm not gonna charge it for the next 10. i mean so they know where they, they also have two versions God bless you <coughs> they get the versions that are the raw files where so much of the storyline is different so over the last two years, I've been rewriting every single one of these books really? to change up the stories to make to make it more up to date, to make it um, to make the characters more some of them more likable, some of them more hateable. What's the premise of the uh, beginnings? Um, I, through a widespread global terror attack, a biological weapon is released, and only one percent of the population survives. <laughs> and the president is one of the one percent, and he knows of a place called the Garfield Project, which is. Uh, an urban legend for real that there is a community that is designed for the continuity of of mankind that will house start with the base of 50 people you could build this community to reestablish the world 
So he moves my people to this community, mm. hence starts the series. So they're all Pleasantville and weird in uh. this community where the world is falling apart outside. Wow. So that's what the series this is. That's really great. So we're actually doing a web series on it right now. We just really? We just finished casting most of the roles, yeah. That's awesome. <coughs> I'm so very interested to see more about that. Oh my gosh, yeah. You have this, I'll, I'm going to add you to the group. Yeah. And it, it's a private um, Facebook group. I will add you. And it is the in the, there. I was so worried about posting these characters because mm. I know what these people have the characters built like in their mind. Mm. And like, oh my God, they're going to like hate this person or, you know, right. please don't be mean to this actor. Right. But we have people like, um, Philip Bauer. I don't know if you know who Philip Bauer is. Familiar. Yeah, he's an actor in Pittsburgh. And uh, David Orgodowski, who won, mm -hmm. he's he's in it. Oh, so David right. is, I created a role for David. Yeah. Because he, he didn't fit what I had. Mm -hmm. So I hybrid a secondary character with a character that comes in later in the series mm. to give David a role because he's such a phenomenal actor. Yeah. And he's such a great guy on the boards. Yeah. Like Now he's like participating left and right. He like... <laughs> You know, Philip is just taking on the one personality of the character, and yeah. he's out there. And uh, Amy Lynn Elliott is uh, one of the stars, and she's a phenomenal actress. And she's on there every day, huh. like playing with the fans. And it's yeah, I, I think they're a little overwhelmed at how many people there are that like. Mm. Hey, I'm entering a project, oh, this and I already have. has like yeah. this huge following. Yeah, they're 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 a little excited about it. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, we're producing. I mean, like, it was the hardest was finding an Asian actor. Mm. Um, in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, you, I could not yeah. find one. So uh, Edwin Young, who yeah. uh, he's going to be in my series. He, uh, he he actually auditioned. It was so funny. Uh, I like um, uh, who was it? David found him. David mm. got him. He's not much of an actor. And I'm like, he's a filmmaker. He's got to have it in him. Right. Yeah, we all have it in us. There's got to be something. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like I, I will cut Henry's lines to very basic lines. If need be, his presence needs to be there. Mm. So not only does Ed send in this audition. It's edited because it's Ed, you know. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that's what he. That's how they. They actually took the audition sides and went to where it would look like it was like <laughs> Ed, typical Edwin. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> hey, he's going to do a fantastic. He really has the natural talent and the expressions. Yeah, he's going to do a great job. He really is going to do a great job. I'm pretty excited about this. When do you guys start? We start shooting, shooting in May, mid May oh, through well. June. Um. I'm pretty optimistic about the scheduling because several of the uh, locations are one day shoots. Like, mm -hmm. so we got to do like a 48 hour thing. Like, our clinic shots, mm -hmm. although they appear over three episodes, mm -hmm. we only get the clinic in the hospital for one day. Oh. So, but I mean, it's a web series, so each scene is less than a minute. So, mm -hmm. with good rehearsal, we should be able to go in there and pound out these scenes. Yeah. Like, how long is each episode are you looking to make? They're all 10 minutes long. Okay. And um, the only reason I did not write well, four through six was because we didn't have that cast yet. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't know who we were casting. Ca Beginnings has a cast of, like, the actual book, 50 mm -hmm. people. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, and so, I knew I needed to get so many different people, but mm -hmm. I couldn't write them in unless I knew, you know, I have them. Mm -hmm. And we have... Um, the main there are two main characters, uh, Joe and his son Frank. And Frank is the, was going to be the hardest character. We did find our Frank, mm -hmm. but now there's scheduling conflict. So mm -hmm. you know, if there's any uh, dark-haired guys with goatee that could play big and dumb, just you know, find me and let me know. Yeah, just it's, in case we what, have three guys. Uh, thirties. 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 Unless they're like early thirties and look older, it's the apocalypse. But this gotcha. is the hero. This guy is in every single episode. And so, uh, oh man, 
You know, I, I hate what? to see him make a choice. And how... <laughs> because, I don't know. I'll have to talk... Because I know a guy who lives in New York who is like... I don't know if you well, see, got, Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm paying for travel and everything mm-hmm. because, like, I'm actually financing this whole project mm-hmm. and so my hopes are is to is to take these six episodes because we have pitching opportunities to sci-fi mm-hmm. um because i sell so much with amazon they want to take a look at it mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of opportunities so what my hope is you know is to get the six episodes to invest and get these people paid full yeah wages well shoot um i don't know if it's possible but yeah so big guys they, Dark I mean, we could do a lot as you know we could do a lot with camera angles yes and lifts in a boot so he can't be like he can't be five five okay right. he has to be a big presence is what he has to be and he's the most loved character in the series next to his father and we got a dead ringer for everybody's i mean like when i when i saw this actor um bob perance mm. he I saw him, I was like, oh, my God, please let him be able to act. Because he's Joe. He's Joe. And everyone's like, now everyone calls him Joe. I mean, like, the other problem is he can't, he's not a computer guy, so he's barely on Facebook. Uh-huh. We have to actually call him. We can't text him or email him. <laughs> I don't, I didn't know. I'm like, look at the phone going, call somebody on this phone. How the heck do I do that? <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing this and to see how this pans out. So um, you start shooting in May. Yes, And mid-May. you're doing like the first four um, or first six, six now, episodes. Now, like I said, Drew's, uh, I'm optimistic. I have a shooting in six shoots mm. because of the locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drew, who is my son working with me on it, and Noah, they're not as optimistic. They're saying seven or eight. But uh, I think they're wanting to spend more time on the outdoor shots, mm. which is okay, you know, okay. because most of our most of our, I mean, like uh, the ones that have the most time requirements are Frank mm. and Joe. And Joe, the guy that's playing Joe, is retired, so you know, I'm really happy about that. Well, you awesome. wouldn't know to look at him that he's retired. Yeah, he's like Clint Eastwood hot. Oh, is he? Yeah, <laughs> and it was so funny because we we're, were doing. I was reading with him, and my son helped me off the stage because it was really hot. And he turns around to this guy. Imagine just doing this Clint Eastwood again. Yeah. Sir, do you need some help? And he just wanted to kick my son's butt for even asking. <laughs> no, I don't need any help. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Sorry, sorry. So um, where can we get Beginnings or any of your books? Um, just so you know, if any of your listeners are interested in reading Beginnings, the first book is free to anybody that um, – that says, "Hey, I want to read it." Mm-hmm. Join the group. It's posted in a group free. It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I keep it at nine nine cents, and I also have this thing where, um, and I, uh, my friends are all going to yell at me again, but I do this all the time. But if you want to read it, and and don't let cost be your your problem, mm-hmm. just email me. I'll send you the series. I'll send them as it goes because it's beginnings. And I promise you, once you get dragged into this world, you mm-hmm. don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. That's and insane. these these fans. They may get the books for free, but they spread the word about my other works. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, you know. I'm definitely going to read that. Beginnings is fun. It one. gets fun around book three when the sci- frozen scientists mm. are uncovered underneath the complex and the killer babies. And it's just like, it's a lot of fun. So you have a common theme, like, go throughout most of, if not all of your novels. They're all in the post-apocalyptic um, world. I'd say or? 70% are mm. post-apocalyptic. I do a lot of uh, chiclet um like Nicholas oh, Sparks chick- type thing. Chitlin. Yeah, I have some. They don't sell. Um, and they're actually better written than my post-apocalypse. Like the book Bob uh-huh. is, I've had people write, oh my God, I don't, I can't believe that you wrote this book. It's so funny. I've had people tell stories that they were at the doctor's office laughing out loud. That people, Bob is about 
a ghost. Mm-hmm. And what it was was it was a take on, you know, what if my because my beginnings characters are so real. What if Frank, the hero of the beginning series, was actually a ghost that inspired the writing? Mm-hmm. And that's what Bob has to deal with. But the only thing is, this little girl's the only one that could see this ghost, and the whole thing is, it's it's a really funny book. Bob would Bob is a really funny book. Wow. And and so my my post apocalypse stuff is good. My non my comedy mm-hmm. and my like forty nine shades of pink is. <laughs> I think it's one of my best books. It deals with this eccentric, effeminate gay poet, mm-hmm. total liberal, who wakes up in his parking a star parking lot of Starbucks, mm. doesn't know that he's been passed out, and when he comes to, they tell him that he's not Felix the poet. His name is actually uh, I can't remember was it Felix Bernstein, the CIA Republican, married, you know, conservative with three kids. <laughs> so he spends this entire novel trying to prove that he's not this opposite and i was i I tell people like that's a nightmare i'm like well yeah i mean like the whole thing is like he's married with kids and it's it's a fun novel wow man that sounds fun um so you've got them all listed on your website your website is jacquelinedruga.com correct and these also are available on amazon yes and they can go to Mm beginningsbooks.com find out all you want to find out about this it's an interactive website it has a artificial intelligence bot that you know you can that people argue with because I do get to see the transcripts mm-hmm. and it's funny to watch the arguments. Oh, that's pretty fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. I spent months um, programming this bot. Yeah. And still people come up with ask questions that I haven't thought of, you know, <laughs> and so they're trying to talk to this bot and the bot is coming back with really sarcastic comments <laughs> and, and they're arguing with it. But my, th- that is a total interactive website. Like that's you can great. click on different locations on the map and yeah. find out. Yeah. Oh, that's super fun. So, and I also noticed on either your bo- on another bio that you've appeared on the History Channel yes. as a bio warfare expert. I was a bio warfare authority. Authority, yes. Well, um, tell me about that. Oh my gosh! So I get this email, all right, and it said uh, Brad Meltzer decoded as a History Channel. No. Okay, so I'm like, okay, it's an ad. And I thought I was like, well, you know, you get this American, right. you know, it's an ad. So just because it didn't go in my spam, mm-hmm. I clicked on it, and here they're like, you know, we're interested in having you on the show. We're doing a 2012 apocalypse thing, and you know, and could you give us a call? I'm like, uh, so first, you know, you do your googling, like right. who is this producer? Exactly. Or, you know, this people really, <laughs> and so I called them up, and and so we started talking, and he's like, and here's how I found you. I was just looking up apocalypse books, and every time I looked up, your name popped up. He's like, so I'm like, who is this woman? He says, so I started looking more, and he's like, we want you to come on and talk about biological warfare. And so he's like, what is the most interesting thing that you, you've you come across? I'm like, you know, Ebola pox. Ebola pox is mm. a hybrid that Russia developed, and um, it, it's a combination of Ebola and smallpox. Ugh. And it's a biological weapon, and back in 1992... 20 scientists, when, when they disarmed the uh, biological weaponry, 20 scientists disappeared with this weapon. And, well, that's what I had to talk about on the History Channel. They flew me out to California, put me up in a hotel, gave me a production assistant to follow me around. It was a lot yeah. of fun. What, what was the program? That- Th- this is The End. The end is now by Brad Meltzer. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah talk about that's black a, blood. That sounds like it was awesome. It was. It was a lot of fun. It's really okay. So you probably spent a lot of your time just researching. It's ridiculous just, what I research. It, <laughs> just it's biological really, warfare. I get scared 
to research because you know yeah. how are you not like just afraid of well especially that, since i'm like, on pa- the, completely paranoid. i am on the fbi list i mean like okay <laughs> i'm i'm old so my stories go way back um Okay. <laughs> I had a website when I first started writing. You know, mm. it's called gojake.com, mm. which I still can't get back. And um, I used to use it as a writer pitch website. This is back before, this is 2001, before people really were on the internet. Mm. And I would put synopsis of my stories up there. Well, then 9 11 happened. Mm. And my website went down because I had the synopsis of a screenplay called Destination New York about terrorists that hijack a plane and fly it into New York City. Oh, my God. So at that point, I had to send over all my research, who I spoke to, the FBI, um, send them the screenplay. I'm like, well, mine's not the same thing because, you know, I since learned that a, a terror attack is not about the damage as much as it is about the, the, the presentation. Uh-huh. And I had my plane a fully, like, if, if, if the terrorists would have, driven the plane directly into the ground mm-hmm. it would have detonated at, at five times the, the hiroshima bombs mm-hmm. in new york city just flattened it really yeah so you know it was all about the show it really was you know uh-huh. there's tragically all the lives lost so i had to send in all my research i had a, all the aeronautics people i spoke to and sent that in they never really up my website again but then in december i get a letter asking um if this is from homeland the newly formed homeland security if um, I were a terrorist, what original way would terrorists attack the United States? I thought everybody got this letter, right? Give your ideas of how. Shut the fuck. It's like um, first I would need to be put on a payroll. Well, they, <laughs> where they were looking, and and here um, Tom Clancy got the letter. They wanted. See, that's what I always thought. I always figured that that was the kind of like go to Hollywood, go yep. to the writers, and find exactly out exactly it. Like because these people are building these worlds at, to destroy and, and to, so. And because I had written that screenplay three years before it actually happened, they came to me about it. I actually have rejection letters from producers saying, a flying bomb, LOL. I have one. Wow. Yes. yes. So. Um, Suck it. I, I wanted to frame that one. But so I told them about my rice and poison theory at McDonald's. You know, that would be one way to wipe out a lot of people. The rice and poison in McDonald's. Yeah. Rice and poison is, is made from the castor bean. And, I did learn that from Breaking Bad. Yeah. And. Um, there's no antidote if you ingest it. Mm-hmm. And McDonald's drive through sprinkled on some French fries during lunch hour. You, you'll have hospitals overflowed oh it within like two hours. Oh, my God. So basically what Jackie is saying is don't fuck with Jackie because she I, knows how to wipe out. I have to. I have to continuously come up with new ways to end the world. Although uh, one of the best selling things that I do are biological warfare. People like my take on viruses. Wow. Yeah, because the flu novel just caused people to sob all the way through. The flu. I'm oh, my God, yeah. It, it causes me to sob. I can't read it. But, I mean, like. Because it's so common. <clears throat> it is such a heartbreaking novel that, like, anyone that will tell you, like, if you read any of the, 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 the reviews, they'll tell you, grab a box of tissues. Oh, my God. And I promised my fans I would never, ever write another novel that sad again. I lied. Never, uh, I, yeah, there's another, gonna be another one coming out this fall that will probably rival it. Though. Do you go to um, conventions and stuff? I used to. I, I I did last year. Last year was crazy with conventions. It mm. was like, you know, you know, I almost was scared that I wasn't gonna be able to make the 48 hour like premiere because the best of because I knew I was coming back from what was it? What 48 hours has come back from Ohio 
the day before. It was just crazy. It was insane. I won't do it this year, though. You're not doing it anymore this year? Because I I don't even know. Like, are there a lot of book conventions? Because I just saw that, like, Read Pop, they do a lot of comic conventions and other conventions. And they just um, are they're just now doing a book con. And uh, I think it's in New York. And it's this summer, I think. And they've got, like, you know, all these names on there but i just thought it's about I, networking you really don't i didn't don't think sell. That it was, you don't sell much here i mean i like, think it's, I, it's just mostly for fans yes. to come and you don't really sell much at there um because uh, everybody's already a fan oh, yeah. at and that point to come and see i've you. had people bring books like when i do scranton bring books to uh, scranton for me to sign so i mean it's all about the presence and right. and i love it don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, I love it, but I am not this year. I don't have the time for it. I yeah. really don't, and it was especially with beginnings. And we're going to shoot that, and and then what I'm hoping to do is, uh, which I know I probably can, is uh, get the Hollywood Theater to do a premiere of all six episodes as one. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, I'll get that together because I know uh, I I'm so glad for 48 hours because like that has given me the experience that hey, we got this set for five hours. I know in five right. hours what I could do. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, I have finished entire 48-hour film projects in less than five hours. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so you're an old champ. You yeah. know how to do this. You know how to go about this. Okay, so basically um, what we've learned is to don't fuck with Jackie because she will, could wipe out an entire population. I could. I could. <laughs> and I'm sure that's like clinging somewhere. Yeah, on some that's clinging somewhere. Houses. There she goes again. <laughs> Shut her down. <laughs> so let's talk about um, Apocalypse Nana. Oh my god, I love my show. <laughs> it's, it, I want to do a podcast, and uh, on a whim, I saw this ad on Blog Talk Radio, mm-hmm. and looking for hosts that would do self-reliant episodes. So I sent the guy an email, mm-hmm. and he sent me back saying, "Oh my god, I just checked you out. You're exactly who we want." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I, I have a lot of survival knowledge. I mm-hmm. mean, like, you come to my house, you know, you're going to survive for at least three weeks, any event." Okay, because of my addiction to grocery shopping, plus you know my supplies. But um, I said, you know, he says they got to be self reliant. You got to teach people. So the show went from a very informative show the first week to uh, varying way off a topic. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, like we try to give one important tip. Mm-hmm. You know, this week we're going to be discussing those big giant holes that are appearing in Russia. Uh-huh. You know, about the aliens that are yeah. coming out. They're here somewhere. But then we're going to talk about this. It'll be way off. Of, off of, we'll discuss how to survive an alien you know, invasion. <laughs> yeah, but that'll last like three minutes. And then we do what's called the flash fame game, where I pick celebrities, and you got to choose who you're, you would want to survive with in the apocalypse. Interesting. Based on skills, not on looks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, unless you're trying to procreate. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, like it, it's amazing to hear some of our guests' reactions to who they would pick. I mean, like you would think a lot of the males would come on, and I give them a cho- choice between a female and a male. They pick the males because of the likelihood of surviving. Well, who are some of your favorites that you've heard so, so far of like to pick um, to survive? I had a, I had a very, very, uh, I want to say, vocally animated uh, minister, okay. Baptist minister on my show. Mm. Okay. And that was, uh, was like, what, a five hour show? Oh, well, you know, it's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I was so worried about that. You know, and I'm like, everybody, nobody swear. <laughs> everybody, and, and get ready. I, I'm terrible at interrupting somebody when they talk. Mm. Okay. Rob, my co host, who's become my co host, is a queen at it. <laughs> I'm like, he'll interrupt and change the subject just to get them off. We were so fearful and ready for the Reverend mm. that we weren't ready for when his choices were like, um, 
I don't remember who the one was, but the other one was Mariah Carey. Mm. And he chose Mariah Carey because he could have a lot more fun with them boobies in the bunker. <gasps> I was like dying. <laughs> we lost it. Oh my gosh! And and that was like one of my favorites because I did not expect that. No, that's like out of nowhere. And um, <laughs> but yeah, we have a the like Rob always judges who he would eat in the apocalypse mm. if he ran out of food. Who is more healthy so they can? He could be a cannibal. Out of celebrities? Yeah, <laughs> he always like. I don't know if I could do that. If I could, like yeah. like last week was um. Uh, like we'll do like Jim Carrey versus Drew Carrey. Yo, who would you want to be in the zombie apocalypse? Oh God, that's tough because they're, they're both bad. Yeah, yeah, they're both bad. And you, have I to don't pick see one. Drew surviving too well. But Jim, I feel like I would, kill, I would him. kill him. I would kill him. <laughs> I would kill him. <laughs> like day one. <laughs> oh my God, I think he would lose his mind in the bunker. Yeah, I think he would. I think that Drew Carrey would be bait. In nah. the zombie apocalypse, but yeah, he's uh, yeah, the one to so this, like. All right, so we're going out to go scavenge some stuff. We're gonna need you to stay here. Yeah, that's and exactly. It's, like, oh. it, it's amazing how people break down their their reasonings and their responses. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, we put, uh, I think it was Arnold Schwarzenegger versus uh, Sylvester Stallone, and people Ooh. broke it down. And and Sylvester we, Stallone. Yeah, that's who I would pick because he seems he's like he's a little more svelte. Yes. Then Arnold Arnold's gonna lag behind a bit. Uh, Can you imagine what Arnold's much... gonna look like? Both of them are gonna look like after Botox is like just done. Oh god! No, Sylvester Stallone has stopped getting Botox for eight years. Has he? Yeah, he's he like did. drooping now. Yeah, he, uh, like he's melting. trying to he's trying to let his natural. It's look too late, come. bro. It's too late. You know what? You're gonna melt. You're yeah, gonna melt. Yeah, you should have so thought about great. that eight years ago. You know, that's what's so great about people that get Botox. If the world ends tomorrow, you're just going to look like one of those mutants <laughs> when it's all said and done. You one. are done. You're done. Oh, my God. Okay, I like this game. Give me one. Give me. Okay. Um, let's say your apocalypse is nuclear war. Okay. Would you pick Matt Damon or Tom Cruise to survive a nuclear war apocalypse? Matt Damon. He's much smarter than Tom Cruise. <laughs> I feel like Matt Damon has already been, I feel like he's already well-versed in nuclear tactics and survivals, and he already knows what's up. <laughs> that's, see, now that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Tom Cruise, I think, is too pampered. Yeah, exactly. He's way too pampered. He would, he would, yeah, he would break down within like the first 12 hours, and he'd be no good. I usually have him in my phone. Hold on. Unless <laughs> we deleted them or something. Oh, okay, let me give you one more. Okay. Ben Affleck versus Joe Mag... I can't pronounce his last name. Joe Manganiello? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Joe. He doesn't seem real bright. <laughs> yeah. Joe. Go, Joe, you see that big dead guy wandering out there with, with, with the big baseball bat and nails? Ask if he wants to come in. Yes, yeah, no, I've yeah. talked to him a couple of times. He's a, he's a very bright. He could survive. He'd be good. And you know what? He's also, he could carry me. <laughs> you know what's so funny? How many people read my book, uh, In the Heaven Shall Fall, mm. and said, oh, my God, if it's every kind of movie, you got to get him to play Jude. Yeah. Because you know, Jude's a really dumb character. And I'm like, <laughs> Y'all gonna leave Joe alone. Jude, Jude is a 32 year old virgin in my book, and it's like there big, is it, no way uh, you, the Joe Manganiello, if he were dumb, no matter how but dumb. Jude is supposed to be this really hot guy, so nobody bought that he's a virgin. But he every time he got near a woman, he got so nervous he threw up, so he never got the opposite. 
I think that Joe could play that role because I feel like there's some sort of humor. Yeah, there's a lot it. of humor to it. And um, there's always he's, humor. He's funny. You can always, do that. always humor in my apocalypse books. You gotta always have humor. <laughs> you gotta have a little laughter. With like my newest one, Immune. Like uh, there's like a zombie-like apocalypse, and uh, it's uh, these people are very deadly, mm. but they're not dead yet. And there are certain people that are immune, and they're like invisible to the infected. Mm. So the one guy trying to protect his grandmother pisses all over her, and it works. <laughs> he like, feels. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so my god, I this is. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check out Beginnings. Okay. And I'm going to start reading some of your books. And um, yeah, please add me to your, oh, your you'll board have so for, much the, fun for the webisodes. For the webisodes, because I'm really interested to see how that all pans out. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with your top five. Okay. And I'm going to pick a question out of this book that I have 4,000 questions for getting to know anyone and everyone. Oh, great. Did you know that the Rugged Angel podcast is part of a network of podcasts? Down to Watch is a husband and wife team that chats about music, movies, and TV shows that has a soft spot for one-season wonders and cult classics. The Scandalized Podcast is a group of friends who gather together to get their feelings out after each episode of the Shonda Rhimes hit Scandal. All three are Rugged Angel productions and can be found on soundcloud.com slash ruggedangel and at ruggedangel.com. You can follow Down to Watch on Twitter at DTWpodcast or like Down to Watch Podcast on Facebook, and you can like the Scandalized Podcast on Facebook as well. <laughs> Nothing. Okay, so we're back, and there are a couple things I forgot to, there's one thing I forgot to mention to you or ask you about. What is your survival plan, if there were to be some sort of, <clears throat> let's say, Let's just say because Walking Dead season finale is tonight. Let's say a zombie apocalypse. Well, what? we do have we do have a uh, a farm that's designated for us to go to. I actually really? have a community of people all planned out. I have two pilots um, that could airlift in case of a. Oh, I planned this out. Holy I mean, yeah, cats. I have two pilots. Um, one is really cute. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he serves two purposes. He serves two purposes. I have nurses, teachers, scientists. Uh, Worker bees, security. Damn girl. Yeah, yeah. It, it's been in it's been in place for about fifteen years. The list grows and adjusts, but there are core people that know what they are to bring, and where we are supposed to go, and what we're supposed to do. Son of a, well, damn. Congratulations for that. Jeez. Hey, thanks. I'm <laughs> kind of disappointed if the apocalypse doesn't happen in my lifetime. It probably won't. <laughs> I'm ready though. I pretend well. <laughs> what were your feelings when uh, everybody was all scared about Y2K? I was, it's so funny because I got the phone call from my husband too, and uh, I just talk, dropped the kids off at school, mm. and I was laying down to take my nap because I write all night. Mm. I don't sleep at night. And uh, he's like, I hate to wake up, but your your book just came to life. And I'm like, this for anyone knew it was a terror attack. Mm. And he's like, and, I'm like, and he's like, what do you think? I said, oh, this is deliberate when I saw the first one in the tower. Within hours, people are showing up at my house. I'm like, people. <laughs> This is not the apocalypse. <laughs> this this isn't it. You know? They're like, aren't you going to put duct tape on your windows to seal up? Like, this is not the apocalypse. It's not going to happen like that. You know, it, it, I think more likely if we face an apocalypse, it's going to be um, some sort of astral object coming really? into Earth. Yeah, I think that's it. Huh. If you haven't seen the word, the movie These Final Hours yet, mm -mm. most definitely watch it. It's on Netflix. 
it, it's an odd, it reminds me of On the Beach, the movie On the Beach, which is an old one. But um, it's really, really a good movie, These Final Hours. It's really worth watching. Where did this fascination come from? I mean, can you pinpoint one? Yes. Th- what, what? My mom. Um, <laughs> she was afraid of the end of the world to the point where she was obsessive with it. Mm-hmm. Would come out of the house and oh, wow. basement. So my dad's like, hey, look, you know, you're nuts. Let's take you to a doctor. Mm-hmm. And back in that day, the doctor's like, well, you know what will solve it? Get pregnant. <laughs> she got pregnant with me. It was like a fetal maternal blood transfusion of paranoia. And I have been obsessed with it since for as long. My mom will tell you for as long as she can remember. I played bomb shelter in the basement. I remember we had moved out in the country for like six months because my mother couldn't take it after that and moved back to the city. And there was a tornado warning. And I'm like, guys, I got supplies in the basement. So I went to the basement. I was eight. Nobody came. I was down there for like a whole entire day, and nobody noticed I was down there for an entire day. They just let her go. Let her go with her canned goods down there. Down there with my canned goods. Oh, yeah. And I was ready. I've been ready for as long as I can remember. That's funny <clears throat> that you say that about that you got it like through, like while you're pregnancy, just kind of mm-hmm. an osm. What do you call What do you call it? Fetal maternal uh, paranoia transfusion. Yeah. Because I, I often feel like there I've gotten things like that. Because I have this. It's not really a fear of water, but I don't know how to swim. And my mom almost drowned when she was pregnant with me. And I just panic anytime I, ch- I get like underwater or I tried to, anybody tries to teach me how to swim. I just panic. And I've never had any sort of ex- bad experience in my lifetime with it, like almost drowning or anything like that. And I just... firmly believe that something like that will transfer to the baby. Right. It really does. I mean, like. Of course, my mom was scared of water, too. It's like, I think that's the age group. It all depends where you grow up. Well, it's like she wasn't even scared of water. She just actually almost drowned while while she was pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, while she was pregnant. Wow, and that's so cool. I mean, not cool that she was drowning. I mean, like, that you got that that shit. I mean, like, my mom thought the world was going to end. Right. And I become obsessed with it. Right. You know, now she thinks I'm just crazy. She. Oh, now she she, thinks you're crazy. Well, okay, for a while, she's like, there's something wrong with my daughter. When I was on the History Channel, she's like, oh, my God, and people watch this? She didn't get it at first. She didn't get it. She didn't get that I actually was making money at writing until I bailed, had to bail my sister out of jail. And I was like, <laughs> something stupid. It was something stupid. Right. And uh, and I was like the only one that could go there at that moment and bail her out of jail. And I was like, well, you're actually doing good with this writing thing. Uh, yeah. 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 It's worked out. It's working out well for me. It's working Thanks. out well. I don't work a day job, Mom. <laughs> All right. So let's get on this random question. Okay. If you were imprisoned wrongly and then set free, would you seek revenge? Just financial revenge. I mean, financial. like I, I think if it was ten years ago, I would. It would. I would. But I've I've become such a changed person in ten years. Like, mm. um, I'd have to take that experience and grow from it. What did I learn? Because mm. yeah, I'm sure I would have met a lot of nice people in prison. Ah. Uh, <laughs> that would eventually be characters. <laughs> I look at it all as a networking. Like, like, uh, like I just broke. I actually just broke into the prison reading things so i mean like you did what now? oh okay there. Books in there. yeah okay. so I, I i wouldn't seek revenge i would try to compensate my family mm-hmm. for it in one way or another but i would use it to my my advantage in one way or another 10 years ago i probably would have found out who did it and well plus uh, like yeah you it, mellow with age yeah and i guess you wouldn't really be suffering too much financial loss whilst in prison right, right it, at this point in your life because your books are already out there selling. Can you imagine how much i would make author you know oh, yeah. oh my god yeah oh wow yeah actually yeah okay yeah so we're gonna get to the top five now okay 
And I assigned Jackie the top five, her top five authors. Now, I'm a slacker, and I forgot to do my own research for my own list, so I'm just going to do, like, my the last five books, favorite five books that I read. Oh, okay. Out of the books I read. So, we'll go to your list. What did you, we'll do you first. Let's go with lesser known authors first. Okay. Uh, Craig DeLuey. Uh, he writes, he writes horror. Uh, he does books such as uh, Suffer the Children, which is a really, really good one. Um, infection, Tooth and Nail. He does a lot of zombie fiction, a lot of hard to read fiction because it delivers a lot of painful truth. I like Craig a lot. Mm. Um, I got to know Craig. Uh, I actually gave him a book blurb for his last book, but uh, mm. he's with Simon and Schuster or Random House, one of the two, and mm. he's a really good author. Um, I highly recommend if you like horror, horror mm. to read Craig's book. If you like gay erotica, gay erotica with such a sick twisted twist, it's R.W. Klinger. <laughs> I will recommend it. He is the reason that I write first person as well as I do because he was my, he's been my friend for 20 years. He's the number one guy who I'll read no matter what it's about. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think there's anybody that writes first person narrative better than him. I mean, he's just the master at it. And I couldn't do it to save my life until he actually helped me. Right, yeah. first person, and that's like usually what I do best now. What is the difficulty that you had with writing first person? Um, connecting. Uh, I think a lot of people think it's easy to write first person, and, and it can be, but you've got to make that person reading the book actually believe they are listening to you talk mm-hmm. and get across. It, it, you're so limited in your views, like right. especially with my stuff, it's global events. Right. So in a sleeper series, you know, I've done some really good first person books, mm-hmm. um, and people like reading my first person. I feel very limited, but it's very difficult because you have to make sure you have a connection to you and your audience. Okay. Number three on your list? Number three on my list is Ernest Hemingway. Ooh. A classic. He's a classic, and he is such a hero. You know the Ernest Hemingway story, right? I don't think I do. Ernie's Mm -hmm. uh, 6'3". You like a big dude? I like the big guys. (laughs) And uh, you wouldn't know that my last size was like Um, (laughs) 5'5". So Ernie's Ernie's in World War I, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he gets shot. In the shoulder and uh, gets shot in the leg, and the medics are carrying him out, and from the trenches mm. when a mortar goes off in the trenches. Ernest Hemingway gets thrown from the the cot, sees all these injured men, carries them out one by one while he's shot out of the trench. Carries out over twenty oh guys my God. out of the trench. Gets out of there two hundred and ten pieces of shrapnel were in his body, oh my along God. with the bullet wounds, and he did all this. Wow! So he is an amazing man. No wonder he drank himself. Probably, and he still had over a hundred pieces of shrapnel. They never got out of his body oh. through his whole life. So yeah, and so he put a lot of that pain and what he experienced in words on page. So yeah, I love, I love oh that man, wow. Stephen King, the master, would be the next. Obviously, um, although he went through this uh, phase where I didn't like his work. I yeah. think he's given us all, um, all of us writers, uh, an excuse. I say because like he does the worst ending sometimes I've ever seen hmm. in a book. I think he just gets done and he finishes <laughs> like the book like like with with the cell. He just got done, you know, with the cell or or spoiler alert on it, the spider. I mean, I think I never. I don't think I've actually read a Stephen King novel. Um, read the Mist. It's a short novel. I've seen the movie. Yeah. Well, you know what. Read the novel, and mm-hmm. then be grateful you saw the movie. Okay. Because the ending of the movie is so much better yeah. than the novel. The novel has a totally different ending. Huh. Has a totally, 
totally different. I didn't want to see the movie because I didn't like some of the things that really? happened in the book. But I was glad I did. Huh. I, I will look at the movie. And my top is Pat Frank. Pat Frank. He wrote a book called, um, it was the first apocalypse book I wrote, read called Alas Babylon. Hmm. And it was written in 1957. I wasn't born in 1957. But he wrote this book. And it was required reading when I was in high school. So when I got to it, I was like, oh, I love this book, you know. <laughs> and I have like several different editions of it, like with the different covers. And it, it depicts the small town in Florida after a nuclear war and how they survive. Mm. And he also wrote How to Survive the H-Bomb, which is such a great book because it's so dated. Uh -huh. Like, you know, make sure you pack lots of dresses because you don't want to. <laughs> you want to change your clothes often in the bomb shelter. <laughs> It's so great. Nice. <laughs> I have that book. I mean, like, it's a collector's. It, right now, it goes on eBay for like a thousand dollars. Oh man, I this book, yeah. Wow. And it's like a, you said, 1957. It was, it was the last Babylon. H bomb, I think, was 58. Oh man. Oh, it's so dated. <laughs> it is so great. I mean, like, it really tells you. And I and this think about it. I follow this rule: be clean in a bomb shelter because if you feel good about yourself, your mood's going to be good. So I don't understand why Walking Dead doesn't bathe. Every survivor <laughs> they come into, did you notice, is clean. Yeah. But our people are grimy They and dirty. never take the time to just go dip in a lake or no, somewhere and just I don't get it. wipe your face off. or what. And I just, yeah, I, mm, and just thinking about what, like, the underwear situation. Yes. How bad they smell. Like, oh, God. You know, and I just can't imagine. Not to be really gross, but, I mean, like, Aben, what's her name, Rosita had, had, Relations? Yes. Could you imagine? There's no way in the world. No. 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 There's no way. That's all that I could think about when they were having that Me sex too. And I'm Me like, too. These people have not bathed in how long? When was the last time they brushed a tooth? And then, and then there's Eugene, like five feet away. You knew he had to be going. I mean, like, they don't bathe. Everyone else found time to clean up, to wash. Just from a hygiene point of view, to lessen your chances of being sick. Yeah. You know, exactly. Washer. Yet the baby is impeccably clean with clean socks every single week. <laughs> I can mop my floors and my grandchildren still have the dirtiest feet I've ever seen in my life. And I don't understand how they managed to get so many baby clothes. And, and diapers. Yeah, and diapers. diapers. And that's another thing. And every time they go raid a house, for if they're looking for food, you guys can't take some time to, like, get a new pair of pants. Or, you know, I'm sure these people have left clothes behind. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a Sam's Club warehouse somewhere that hasn't been hit. I mean, this is a zombie apocalypse. There may be zombies, but there's not going to be in this warehouse. There's lots yeah. of places they have not hit. Yeah. I think it was bad writing on their part for that. So. Yeah, especially a lot of those, um, the comp like the little communities, like those cul-de-sacs that they end up yes. in. Like all those houses have all sorts of supplies, I'm sure. They just never hit them. Uh, all right, so, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I guess... My list is just kind of weird. I guess just five books that I really enjoy. Okay. Five. Um, Fight Club. Okay. Chuck, Chuck, I never know how to say his last name. Pal Palnick? Palnick? Palnick. Um, I read the book after I saw the movie. That's like, Fight Club is like one of my top five most favorite movies It's a great ever. movie. That's a great. And um, I was, I wish I had read the book first just because I don't like picturing the movie while I'm reading the book. Like, I'm already like picturing right. those actors in my head. So, but the book was great. I liked it. And I, I read a couple other Palnick stuff, um, choke and some other get into it as much as Fight Club. All right, the next book is um, Self Inflicted Wounds by Aisha Tyler. Okay, and that's sort of like, um, have you ever seen her or like listened mm -hmm. to any? Um, you watch Archer at all? No, 
Okay. Well, she's this comedian. Okay. And I always oh. kind of um, identify with her uh, because, like, we kind of, I always thought that, like, people always tell me, like, that would be my celebrity doppelganger. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, it, her sense of humor, like, everything, like, is just, like, spot on. I feel like I could totally hang out with her. And she has a podcast where, at the end of it, she um, has her guests tell their self-inflicted wound story. And this, basically, this book is just, like, what the tagline is, the heartwarming tales of epic humiliation oh my god and so she just goes on these random story like each chapter is a different story out of her life where she's just like screwed the pooch basically <laughs> herself and it's just hilarious like i think you should to- I-, I will pick that up yeah you should totally read it it's so funny um the outsiders oh oh my gosh yeah. that's like i think that's one <laughs> oh of the few gosh. books that i've read over and over and over again that's one you could just pick up anytime and read it. yeah it is it is it's a classic exactly that's yeah it's such a good book and i I think I read it for the first time when I was in fourth grade and I cried when I, when I was done. <laughs> I think it was required reading for the longest time. Like, Actually, I wasn't required really? to read it. I just randomly picked it up because I used to go to um, like we would go to the library on a regular basis and just get like tons and tons of books. And You're so um, lucky you got to go to the library. <laughs> my mother told me that they charged at the library so we couldn't go. Are you serious? Oh my gosh, and nobody read in my house. Oh, there was like a point in time like where we um, lived just a few blocks like within walking distance of a library <sighs> and we would take our red wagon empty and then like fill it up and then pull it back home. Imagine my surprise when I found out the books weren't. <laughs> That's so mean. I know. <laughs> that is such a mean I know, thing. I remember my grandmother taking me to the uh, is downtown? Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, Boris downtown. You don't know if you are these people. Oh yeah, it was here like right when I moved here, and it was like maybe that was like the last year. It was and here, she I bought think. me uh earthquake movie oh, book okay. by Charlton Heston. Okay. Was, and, and don't tell your mother I bought you a book. What? Yeah, there was nothing. My wow. mother just thought it was like a waste of time. Learn numbers, like we had to learn math because my mother. I came from a family of accountants and bookie mm. bookies too. Yeah, <laughs> so learn numbers. <laughs> You have to learn numbers. I mean, like, I learned to add, like, faster than someone could key it into a calculator, like, off the top of my head because I had to add up the numbers that my family used to take. But, yeah, it was all about numbers. Oh, all man. Numbers. So reading books that didn't apply to everyday life just with me. That's nuts. I couldn't imagine because, like I said, we read constantly. And I couldn't imagine my kids growing up not reading. Right. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. That's why I started to write because I, I – I couldn't read anything, so... Yeah, that's a trip. I, so you started making up your own stories. Yep, that's what I did. <sighs> the ne- uh, the, uh, what is it? Um, necessity is the mother of invention. That's right. Disaster in the Liberty Tubes was my first... Uh, Disaster in the Liberty Tubes. Charlton Heston came to the rescue. <laughs> what happened in the Liberty Tubes? Did they just implode? It, they imploded. They, it, was a, it was a truck, a gas tanker that, that hit the wall and exploded and collapsed the Liberty Tubes. And people were stuck inside. And that's what everybody's afraid of, and why they go so slow. You know, what's so funny is like my book, um, "When the Ashes Fall," mm. it, it takes place with a nuclear strike in Pittsburgh. Oh, and it takes place with people that happen to be in the middle of the tunnel during the nuclear strike, and they're stuck in there because it does offer you some sort of a, a, a sense of protection mm. for a little bit. Yeah, and then the radiation because the air drafts will really eventually filter its way through, so they had to get out after so long. But that's a lot of people that have read it from Pittsburgh are like, oh, you didn't say exactly what the landmarks were except for the Liberty Tunnels, but we were like pegging them on the journey all the way through. And I included a map. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's always helpful. Which yeah. is, I wish I could find a map of the, for The Walking Dead because I, I don't understand like a lot like, of It's a big spatial. circle. Just go to Georgia and draw a big circle around Atlanta. That's okay. 
All right. Um, uh, the, the I did three. Uh, the fourth one, I guess, would be uh, Psycho by Robert Block. Okay. I thought that was a really well written. <clears throat> you like a medical? There's mind. There's mind thriller books. Yeah, I do. Actually, like the I, I like. Yeah. Um, it's mostly like. Yeah, like the mysteries, and this is also the same with uh, movies. I, I prefer like psychological thrillers. Shutter or, Island. Yeah. <laughs> that stays with you for like weeks. <laughs> Am I really doing this? What if I just killed that dog and I don't know why I killed that? <laughs> Which like reminds me, like American Psycho. Yeah. Like I never, I still don't understand. Like, did it all really happen, or was this all just part of his, his like breakdown in his, in his, in his head? I think that it was all part of the breakdown in his head. Okay, that's that's what I always, I like to believe. Yeah, because uh, yeah, and it's always because I always kind of forget too because I don't I haven't watched it that many times, but every once in a while I'll, I'll watch it and then I'll get to the end. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. There's no real clear. Yeah, they, they don't. You know, that's the thing about mental illness like that. I mean, like that's scary. That mm. is really scary to not be in control of your mind. Right. That's yeah. one of the things that I'm most afraid of yes. about growing older. Is like that is that that will be the thing that goes. Like I'm, I will be fine not being able to like you know move around too much i think there was like a i saw some question random question like once you um get when you get older would you rather have the mind of a 30 year old or a body of a 30 year old i'd rather have the mind yeah much rather have <coughs> the mind i mean if you look at like uh, like i work with a lot of alzheimer's mm. residents and uh one of the things that is a common common thing that you see is is people that just did their day-to-day -day jobs like bus drivers like bank tellers that did not use, a, I'm not saying this is a role for it, mm. but what I've seen, like the ones that just had their everyday jobs that didn't, that shut down at 6 p.m. and didn't right. do anything but watch TV or listen to the radio, these were the folks that we saw. Mm. The ones that did not shut down at 6 p.m. You know, and just maybe read until kept their mind going. Yeah. The, the the brain is a muscle. You got to keep. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and I look at my 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 mother in law, who's really my former mother in law, but I yeah I still in contact with her. Mm. Almost ninety years old, sharp as a whip. Yeah. And every day she does crossword puzzles, reads. I mean, she just is. She's so fearful of losing her mind. She works on her mind constantly. That's what you got to do. Yep. You just got to keep it in motion. You got to constantly yep. learn something new. Just exercise in your mind and do something. You got to do something every day. That vegging in front of the TV or. It's okay once a week, but I mean, like, these people come down home at six o'clock and, and do nothing. Yeah. They do nothing. And that was one of the things that, um, like, my first marriage, that's one of the things that bothered me because he had, like, a regular nine to five job, which, you know, fine, but he really had no interest in doing anything beyond that. And he was, like, a talented musician, and it would just bug the hell out of me because he wouldn't do anything more. He'd just come home from work, sit down, watch TV, and just be like. <laughs> bitching about the job the rest of the day but in the meantime you know i'm like trying i have my nine to five but i'm still like doing right other things too and it's just like ah oh, I, just, I just hate seeing like talent be wasted and just sitting around and doing nothing and being okay with that i, I mean you want to be 75 80 years old looking back at your life and saying wow i spent so much time doing nothing yeah yeah like you want to have some sort of real stories to yeah. tell some real memories to draw back on you want to leave your mark yeah exactly and um hmm i guess the last book uh i read this within the last year how to be black by baratunde thurston i can relate to that <laughs> <laughs> this book is hilarious um it's basically you know it's satire it's mm -hmm. tongue-in-cheek 
of course, but it's also has a lot of truths. Like on the back, there's um, have you ever been called too black or not black enough? Have you ever befriended or worked with a black person? Have you ever heard of black people? If you <laughs> answered yes to any of these questions, this book is for you. Oh my gosh, and that's hysterical. And it's just like, is it like that movie that's out? Uh, what movie? Not blackish. No, the show. Um, it's a comedy. That's on Amazon. Oh, dear white people. That's it. No, okay. it's not that. But it's kind of like in that same. Oh not gosh. even. It's it's. This is just so funny. And you know, there's things like, and it's just so truthful. There's like, you know, you, when you find yourself being like the only black person, the, the few, like one of the only few black people that you work with, and you're at like the Christmas party, oh the company Christmas party, and you know, or the wedding, you don't want, you're, or yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> and you're like everybody's expecting you to like be the really the greatest dancer on the dance floor, or, or as you go to karaoke, they expect you to be the greatest karaoke yes, singer. Thank and, you. And there's so much stereotyping. Yes, exactly. Uh, wait, but I tell you what, this name Baratunda Thurston. Baratunde Thurston. Right. Yes. At least he's an expert in his field. Yes, exactly. But, I mean, but so, you're right. Like, like. <laughs> People seem so shocked to carry on. Oh, yeah, you want to like uh, uh, a black man get up and he can't sing. Yeah, like my God, it's like how dare you? How dare you sing badly? Like, exactly. Or not dance? Exactly. And it's like, and I, I can sing ish. Like I'm, I can carry a tune, but I have never, like, I, there's no way in the world I would ever try to pull off a Mariah Carey song, Aretha Franklin, or you know, I stay in my lane. Yeah, I know what I'm like good a, at. Uh, what was that? The song I can't remember the name of it. It was like, uh, oh God, it's the most popular song there is. It was, I'll think of it. But uh, <laughs> it's a popular karaoke song. I see a painted side at the side of the road. It says Love Shack. Ah, uh, Love, Love Shack. Shack. And you'll be one of them Love Shack girl. Love Shack. Absolutely not, because I can't do it. I've tried to do it at home. Like I love karaoke. I love the, that. Actually, looks really interesting. How to be black? You know, joking you should, around that I can totally, relate. I, I will. You I will, should totally read it. It's. I, I will it's download funny. it on Kindle. Yeah. You know. Uh, it makes me wonder if there's any uh, stereotypes for white people. We can't dance. We really can't. There's like a bajillion stereotypes for you guys. Uh, we can't. Dance. <laughs> we can't dance. I'll be the, I'll get the white girl dance. <laughs> was a Barry Manilow. Oh yeah. Speaking <laughs> of yes, so Jackie just went and saw Barry Manilow. The I love other day. him. How did how did that like? Were you always a Barry Manilow fan? Always. Like, like not ironically. I was always a fanalo. <laughs> um, back to Charlton Heston again. When I was a little girl, my grand my aunt was. Was eight years older than me, and she was going to take me to see Earthquake. Mm-hmm. I was I was just so little, but nobody wanted to go see it. But she goes, "I'll take her." The Warner Theater downtown, mm-hmm. and I was sleeping over at my grandmother's house, and she was getting ready with the eighteen year old girls do, you know. And, and uh, I woke up to hearing Barry Manilow's "Mandy," <laughs> and and from that moment on, I was hooked, and I that I kind of like attributed that to Charlton Heston. So I've always been a Barry Manilow fan. So my daughter's like, "Mom, Mom, who's a Barry Manilow fan?" Mom, oh my God, is coming to town. Can you get the tickets? And I'm like, well, yeah, let's go look. You know, so we look. And then section 100. I don't want to sit in nosebleed because I have this fear of falling over. Oh, yeah, you me know, too. Especially there at console Center. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, I'll get them. Right now I don't have time. I'm doing this, this, this. She goes, don't forget. I won't forget. Well, last week she shows up at my show. Hmm. She goes, we're going to Barry Manilow. I didn't buy the tickets. Ooh. And she's like, are you kidding me? I'm like. Honest Ellie, I totally forgot. I assumed I did, you know. Oh. So we went online right there, and the only ones that were available were nosebleed. And I'm like, well, let me see how much premium tickets are. Hmm. And I said, because we're gonna pay 135 a ticket before to be in 100s. Hmm. Let me see how much premium is. Maybe I'll bite the bullet. You know, if not, we're just gonna have to sit in nosebleed with Rob. Hmm. Click on premium, second row, center, 135. What? I don't know what happened. 
I bought them right You're there like, and then. Right there and then I bought them because it was the same price I was going to pay. I found out that the people next to us paid $500 for their seats three Shut weeks ago. Up. They were just clearancing them just to wow. sell them out. And we lucked out like four days before the concert getting oh them that cheap. Oh, my God. So we were just like, I could touch him. I could touch him. I could smell his cologne. <laughs> I could see the makeup on his face. <laughs> I'm still not convinced he sang, though. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he was lip singing. No. Yeah, but it was great. Just was it a great show? It. it was a fantastic show. It really was a fantastic show. Because I'm sure it's just like got to be like all sorts of like Vegas-like. It was. It reminded me, like, I, I went to see Johnny Mathis with my mother when my mother mm. was my age and I was my daughter's age. Mm. And I can remember Johnny did this little like hip thing, uh. just kind of like for a 70-year-old man. And all these women went crazy, right? Barry did the same thing. And all these women went crazy. <laughs> My daughter went crazy. I took her to see Wayne Newton, uh -huh. and she was like a teenager screaming for Wayne Newton. Are you serious? She loved Wayne Newton. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I lied to my kids when they were younger. When when the, my girls were little, I told her that Wayne Newton was the next boy band. And that very manly was a was a was a boy band. So my oh, kids. Oh, so you got her at school looking. Oh wait, she was homeschooled. No, no, no. This one was when school. She's like, uh, oh my god, did you guys hear the latest <laughs> Wayne Newton song? Daddy, don't you walk so fast? It's so good. You. <laughs> okay. Oh. And on that note, Jackie's a liar. So I she am. lied to her uh, children. I, I lied to my children. <laughs> Lots. Thank you, Jackie. You're for, welcome for coming. Oh, it's been a pleasure and being on my show. Good luck editing this thing. <laughs> gonna be too bad because i just i just let it go for the oh, most part yeah. like unless it just gets really terrible then I'll, I'll edit it but for the most part i just let it go well, that's good so it's all and i, and I didn't even there. i didn't even swear i don't think i did way to go congratulations yeah. thank you jack oh before we go like where can people find you your social medias and your uh, website i so. am jackie druga on facebook at go jake on twitter uh, JackWillandruga.com and BeginningsBooks.com. And where can we, when and where can we listen to your podcast? Prepper. Apocalypse Nana. You can listen to Apocalypse Nana. Um, you can do downloads on it, but it's on live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Prepper Broadcast Network. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. This has been a Rugged Angel production.